You know, I, I was struggling about how to start this message, and the Lord is so good. It's like what I'm going to do this morning, by the Holy Spirit's help, is to connect all the dots. You see, um, there's a lot in this book. There's a lot. But you you got to see the you got to see the the whole picture, and it is a marvelous picture. It is an amazing portrait. And if the Holy Spirit allows you to connect the dots, you think, what an awesome God, what amazing plan God had. And, and, and if you just somehow, you, you'll just see the pick, the whole story. I, I, I'm so excited about it. You know, um, it all began when God created the But the significant part I want to talk, we start with Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creature that creeps on the earth. And then it goes on, God created them, male and female, in his... So, it all begins now, created you and me in his image. Now, when he created us in his image, he had a plan for our lives. Now, the main thing was for us to have fellowship with him to have fellowship with him, and then just to do his will, to let him lead us in our everyday life. And of course, I believe the best explanation of Genesis 1.26, it says, and God said, let us create man in our image. We were created to be an extension of the life of God. Let's create man in our image. We were created to be an extension of the life of God. We're in his image. And then it goes on in that verse and says, and after our likeness. We were created to be an expression of the character of God. Our lives were to be God-like. And then it goes on in the rest of that verse and says, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, and, and over all creation. And so that says that we were to exhibit and exercise the power of God. You say, well, Brother Fred, why am I on this earth? To be an extension of God's life. To be an expression of God's character. And to be an exhibit of God's power. And he had the plan. Well, of course... God not only created man and woman, he created the animal kingdom. And to show you God's plan, which was thwarted and kind of interrupted by sin, to show you God's plan and let you realize that before it ever happened, God had a plan to restore man. But I think to really understand how this whole thing works about us, Allowing God's spirit to be in like his image and his likeness, all that stuff is this. 
You've got to understand the difference between animals and human beings. All right, you know, the Bible says, and I believe that the Bible teaches, that an animal has a body. And we know that. You know, uh, when I was in San Francisco with my great-grandchildren, I looked right in the eyes of a hippopotamus. I said, that is a big animal. He was real big. His teeth were bigger than my head. He created uh, the animal kingdom. And, 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 but here's the deal. When he created animals, they have a body. We can see that. They have a soul. Animals have feelings. They have emotions, I'm telling you. If you, don't, if you have a dog or, or any, any animal that you get close to, you, you really think they probably have more sense than you have, I'm telling you. They, 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 they are emotional beings. Man, when you praise them, they tell you when your dog wags your tail, he's, he, he's laughing, he's happy. Well, my dog's going crazy, he's so happy. <laughs> but animals have emotions, y'all. They do. But governed by instinct. They do not have a soul. They have a body and a soul. Now, the soul is emotions and will. Animals have a body and a soul, have a spirit. They're governed by instinct. In other words, you, you know what, what is that God places in these animals a body, of course, and a, and a soul that feels, but, but by instinct, they know by instinct that God puts in them exactly what they do. And they obey God a whole lot better than race does. You know, the geese know exactly what to fly south. And they know where the rice fields are. Also know to fly in a V form to break the, the, the wind against them. So how do they know which route to take? How do they know where all the fields are? They know to fly in that V to bake the wind off of them. That's the way God created them. Then they know when it's time to north and all that stuff. Some of them stay behind and that's not good. But anyway, I won't go there. But let's think another illustration of, of, of an animals being governed by instinct is the salmon. It is born upstream at a particular place. When it time, and it, then it swims out to sea. When it's time for that salmon to have, hatch its, to have eggs and hatch them, he swims back to the very place where he was born, to the very place. If you build a dam, he'll kill himself trying to get back to where he was. Well, how in the world is he remember where that was? But see, God put that in him, and the instinct of that salmon leads him right back to where he was hatched, if he can get there. But the one that amazes me most is how do bees make honey, and, and, it's, and you know how sticky honey is, and they put it in a beehive, and, and it's in there, and it can be 100 degrees outside, and the, the honey doesn't melt and run out on the ground. What in the world keeps the honey from melting? Well, I'll tell you what it is. The bees are organized. They have three shifts. What it is, what the first shift will go on, and they'll get at the very door of that beehive and will fan their wings, just fan their wings, and keep the honey cool. It's called air conditioning. Long before we had it. And they'll fan their wings and keep the honey cool. Then the second shift will come on and third. You say, well, what a coincidence. What are you talking about? God created it. Listen, his animal kingdom is a beautiful and wonderful kingdom. And they have a body and a soul. They needed to be treated with dignity. And they have a, a, a governed by instinct. 
But then that's not true of man. We've got to understand the difference between a, a human being, one created in God's image, and an animal. And by the way, that's why I hate evolution. I hate it. Darwin says we're all just a bunch of evolved animals. He may be, but I'm not. I'm going to tell you how I feel about it. My ancestor is not a, a, a gorilla. I'm telling you right, right now. You've got to be ignorant to believe that life just evolved out of some little thing in the sea and turned out to be who and you and I are sitting here. You're talking about taking faith to believe that, and we're just not educated. Well, Paul said to some people, much makes you mad, but I won't even go there, okay? But see, see, God created us in his image. We have a body. It's a great house to live in. Other times, it gives you problems. The older you get, the more problem. But we won't even go there, okay? But also God gave us a soul. The, the, the capacity of the mind and He gave us a mind. I tell you, God gave us emotions. Emotions wonderful things in the world. The capacity to love. The capacity to rejoice. Even the, the capacity to grieve. I'm glad we're not plastic. I'm glad we don't have any that don't have, uh, uh, that we're not at a place we don't have any. I'm glad that we can empathize and enter in. I'm going to tell you, our, our mind is awesome, our great blessing from God. But we all will. We have a choice. God gives us. But where an animal was had a body and a soul and instinct, it did us with a body, a soul, and a spirit. The spirit. We have the spirit of man. And what God said was, I'm not going to govern or lead you by instinct. This is what God's plan was. My spirit will live in the spirit of man. And my spirit in the, in the spirit of man will lead him and direct him and guide him. You know why God, now you've got to get this. This is one of the dots you've got to connect. You know why God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because God's spirit lived in them. And God's spirit was going to show them good and evil. And they were to be led by the spirit of God. And he would always lead them to that which was good and would warn them about that which is evil. So the human, man, male and female created in the image of God, we have a body we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And our spirit is the capacity to know God and to worship God and to be led by God and to have fellowship with God and to do the will of God. Oh, the awesome plan that God would live in our spirit by his spirit and guide us was absolutely magnificent. However, we know the rest of the story. That's just part of the picture. So we connect the next dot, and that is that Adam and Eve sinned. Now, you remember how that the devil came to Eve and asked her a question. He already knew the answer. He asked her a question to put doubt in her mind. He said, Eve, can y'all eat of all the trees of the garden? Can you eat of every tree of the garden? Genesis 2, 16. Eve said, we can eat of all the trees of the, uh, of, of the garden, but we can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I already told you why. Because God's spirit was going to guide them between good and evil. 
He said, but we can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In fact, let me tell you what God told me, that if we ate of that tree, we would die. Well, we know what the devil is. First picture we get of him, he's a liar. Won't die. Said of the devil in John 8, 44, he's a liar, the father of lies. That truth in him, when he speaks, he's a lie. So he, he lied to her. Believe the lie. And so the, she, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, gave it to Adam, and they both eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And immediately they knew they were naked, had no of, or the, of that they didn't have any clothes on. They didn't need any. Immediately they knew they were naked. And immediately they, they felt separated from God. Immediately they felt separated from God, went and tried to hide behind some trees. Think from God behind a tree. <laughs> I, I got a message entitled, Trees Hide Behind, Try to Hide Behind from God. I, I'll let you know what tree you're hiding behind. But anyway, but uh, see that what happened was this. God had told the day you eat of that tree, you really die. You say, but Brother Fred, they didn't die. They had Abel. They had Cain. They lived on for a number of years. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, they did. They died instantly. When they sinned was, they remained physically alive. And they remained uh, soulishly alive. But the Spirit of God that lived in them left. And now, here they are, a body, physical life, a soul, emotional and mental life, but a spirit that was dead. They were dead spiritually. Now, you, you know the problem with that? They were to be led by God's Spirit. And as long as they were alive spiritually, the Spirit of God lived in them before they sinned, and the Spirit of God would guide them and direct them. But now they have sinned, and the Spirit of God left the spirit of man. He left, and here they were on this earth, physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. Do you realize that everybody born since Adam to Jesus that everybody that has been born from Adam to Jesus has been physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. To be honest with you, as human beings, we're worse off than the animals because the animals have instinct to govern them. But if we are spiritually dead, we do not have the Spirit of God to guide us, and we are in big trouble. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead. How dead is dead? It's dead. You were dead in trespasses and sin. So, so here we go. God created us in his image. The Spirit of God lived in the spirit of Adam and Eve, and he, they, the Spirit of God led them. And Adam and Eve sinned, and the Spirit of God left. And so now man is a body and a soul, but he's spiritually dead. Now, Jesus was not spiritually dead because uh, he, he was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, when the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus, he had no sinful nature. So Jesus came into this world as the last Adam. He had a body, he had a soul, and he was spiritually alive because the Spirit of God lived without measure in the spirit of Jesus. 
So, now, here you go. You know, God had a plan before Adam ever sinned. Before this God ever left man. God had a plan. His plan was this. Well, I'll tell you what his plan was. To it in a moment. I want to show you now that this really acts a dot. There was a man. He was a very religious man. He was a Jewish leader. He went to by night because he didn't want to be exposed to the other and others that he was interested in Jesus. What Jesus said to him, this would make no sense unless you knew go back to the beginning. He looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus thought he knew most things. He said, what do you mean I need to be born again? I can't enter back into my mother's womb born he said Jesus said Nicodemus you don't understand you're physically alive and you're socially alive but you're spiritually dead you've got to have a new birth you've got to be born of you've got to be born again and Nicodemus that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit Nicodemus you had a physical birthday but you had a physical birthday he said, but now you need a spiritual birthday. You need to be born again. What happens when a person repents of their sin, realizing the wicked, sinful person they are, realizing that they're spiritually dead, not only sinful, but spiritually dead, and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they're drawn to Jesus Christ, who died on the cross in their place, took all their sin and took their sinful nature and nailed it to the cross. They are drawn to Jesus and they repent of their sins and, 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 and they invite Christ to take control of their life. They invite him to be their Lord and Savior. Guess what happens? They had been physically alive and soulishly alive, but the moment Jesus Christ comes to live in them, in the person of the Holy Spirit, they become spiritually alive. Now, this is where the dots really connect. What Adam lost, we get back when we get saved. Amen. That's right. We get saved. And the Spirit, listen, you know, the only people that are capable of doing what God created them to do are people who have been born again. I don't care how brilliant you are. You can invent computers. You can send somebody to the moon. And, and you still have a powerful mind. The soul of man is very powerful. But still, without the Spirit of God and the Spirit of man, he's like a lost sheep without any shepherd. But the glorious thing is this. People think the whole mess purpose of Christianity is to get man out of earth into heaven. Uh-uh. The purpose of the cross and the resurrection is to get God out of heaven into man. And that's what happens when you get saved. What Adam lost, you get back. You are born again. Every Christian has two birthdays. He has the physical birthday, but then he has the day that he was born again. The day that he became spiritually alive. The day that his body once again became the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 3, says, What 
Do you not know you are the temple of God? Now get this. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Man, now I understand it. That Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and rise from the dead just to forgive our sins. He had to do that so we could be right from God. But Jesus came and made the perfect sacrifice for sin so that he, get, he could get the life of God back in the creation that God created. And then we could have the power to be what God created us to be. That's why we talk about the new birth. Because I was physically alive, soulishly alive. Man, I was spiritually dead. But I'm going to tell you, when Jesus came to live in me and my body became the temple of the Holy Spirit, there was a whole new world out there. There was a whole new world. There's a spiritual world. And you begin to understand and see things from a spiritual point of view. I'm telling you, the invisible world, the spiritual world, is far greater and far more powerful than the physical world. Now, so, we can go back to the beginning. Now, once we're saved, Jesus Christ forgives our sin, changes our life. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. So now, now we can be led by the Holy Spirit. And we can do the will of God. You remember... <clears throat> It was a body, soul, and spirit, and God's spirit was to lead man. Okay, now, there's a verse of scripture over in Romans 8. And, and, it, and it talks about this. Look at this verse. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. You see? We did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption by which we cry our Father. Now, the glorious thing, everybody that I'm talking to today that can say to me, Brother Fred, I know I've been born again. I know that I'm spiritually alive. I know I'm still growing. I know I'm a, I'm a work in progress. But I tell you, I, I under, and now I can see and understand spiritual things. I see them and I understand them. And it's a wonderful world. And now I can be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm telling you, you begin to live when God's Spirit and God's life comes back in you. And now you, 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 you don't, you're not perfect, but the Spirit leads you. And he speaks to you. And by the way, this book that you used to didn't want to, didn't care about, you really care about. Man, you read it and you say, my Lord, I didn't know all that was in there. When did they put there? Last week? I mean, let me say something. The Bible comes alive when the Spirit of God comes into you. The spiritual world becomes alive. People say, why in the world do you get up and go to church? And what do you, what do, you do that for? There's so much else you could do on, on, on Sunday. <clears throat> i tell you why I go, because I'm spiritually alive, and I want to go and have fellowship with my Heavenly Father and let Him lead me to do the right things this week. And we understand that because we are back where Adam was in the beginning. We're spiritually alive. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit leads us. And I'm looking for that water that I had over here. Now, how does the Holy Spirit lead us? It says there, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. All right, let's understand this. The Holy Spirit, they didn't need to, to, they, they didn't need to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Holy Spirit was going to show them what was right or wrong. All right, let me say this. 
How can you know that you're being led by the Holy Spirit? Well, one promise that Jesus gave was my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Okay. So, now I'm, now I'm spiritually alive. You're spiritually alive. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not controlled by our body and we're not controlled by our soul. We're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, Christians can mess up and get controlled by their soul. And they get in real trouble. That's called being carnal and being fleshly. But we're to be led by the Spirit of God, which means our body obeys what the Holy Spirit says. And our soul, mind, emotions, and will obey what the Spirit says. Our body and soul are to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Okay, how do we know when the Holy Spirit's leading us? I I got about four things here. Number one. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that violates the Word of God. God cannot contradict Himself. People have come to me and told me some of the weirdest things you'd ever hear in your life. And they said, well, God led me to do it. I said, now show me the verse and show me the passage where God told you to do that. Well, I ain't got one, but God just told me. I said, come on. Let me say one thing to you. I can promise you that the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that violates the Word of God, that uh, goes against the teachings of God's Word. See, that's our safeguard. If we were just left to our mind and emotions and, we'll, and, and, and didn't have a way to test the spirits, we'd be in big trouble. But so the, I, feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. And so I, 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 have, you know, I look in the Scripture and, and want to be sure it's in the Word of God. I want to be sure it's right, that it's, it's pleasing to God, and it obeys God. And as long as it agrees with the Word of God, there's no reason for me not to follow the leadership of the Spirit and do what God tells me to do. So you just might as well understand that when you get in, some, in, in the position in your spiritual life where you know you're doing something that violates the Scripture and you've tried to justify it and rationalize it, I want to tell you, you're going to lose every time because God's Spirit will never lead you to violate His Word. For example, um, well, I'll just tell you, Brother Fred, God told me that my happiness was more important than anything else. And I'm not happy. So I'm going to leave my wife so I can be happy. You know, you've you got a big learning to learn. Ain't no woman can make you happy. <laughs> she can make you unhappy. <laughs> and ain't no man that can make you happy. The grass always looks greener on the other side, but it still has to be mowed. And after the emotion and the excitement of a new relationship wears off, you get right back into the same old situation. I've seen it a thousand times. Let me tell you something. God's Spirit will never lead you to do anything that violates the Word of God. So that's a safety net for you. That's a safety net. 
You check it all out by the word of God. Well, one of my best friends, I, I mean, I love this man. I love this man. And I, I tell you, I could not believe how he got deceived. He, 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 he uh, left his wife and five kids, and, and he'd been very active in Christian work, very active. I mean, very, 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 very active. If I called his name, 80% of y'all would know him. Well, he, he just left his wife and this young girl that hooked up with him when he was ministering. And my friend Jack Taylor went to him and said, listen, now you've got to understand. I love you, but you know this is not God. You know it's not God. You know this is a sin against God. And I'm pleading with you. God, what you're fixing to do is God's fixing to put you on the shelf and leave you there because you're going to be living in disobedience and rebellion against God. He said, well, I want you to know, Jack, I'm sorry to tell you, but uh, I have a word from God. God has given me a special dispensation that in my later years for this woman to be my wife. Will you show me that in the Bible? Me might want to take God up on it. Give me a break. He actually believed that and is still living that way right now. And he's nothing but a spiritually dried up prune where he used to be a powerful man of God. God will never lead you to violate his word. He won't do it. So what you say is, Lord, I may not feel good about it. My emotions may, but still I'm going to obey you. All right, here's the second thing. That you can know you're being led by the Holy Spirit. God will never lead you to violate his word. Number two is this. You let the peace of God act as an umpire in your heart. In Colossians 3, uh, Colossians 3.15. Hey, by the way, I want to go back to a verse. Don't matter how you let the word of God be your guide. Colossians 3.16 is one I want you to look at. See, you've got to know the scriptures, and they've got to be your safety net to be sure that what you're doing is not against God's will. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, <clears throat> hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So you've got to be full of the word of God so you, you can test the spirit. Well, then the second thing is you've got to let the peace of God guard your heart. In Colossians, the first thing you want to do is this. I want to drop down to chapter, I'm going to go to chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Then I'm going to go back to verse 15. But, but let me say this. You've got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. And so I've made a decision. And according to the scripture, <clears throat> there's nothing that it does not violate the Bible. In other words, I'm being led and I've studied and I don't say anything in the Bible that says that is sinful and against the will of God. So I don't have a problem now that what I'm going to do is going to violate scripture. But sometimes there's good is substituted for the best. And so you, what, when, you, when you don't have a clear word from God, a clear direction from God, then you've got to let the peace of God act as an umpire in your heart. But whatever you feel God leading you to do, 
Whatever, what change jobs, get a new job, do this, do that, get engaged, uh, uh, whatever, you know, date this person uh, or join this club or whatever. Whatever it says here, you've got to be sure your motives are pure. The deed is no more, no more pure, no more pure uh, no, than the motive. If the motive's right, the deed can't be right. It may not be wrong as far as well, so black and white sin. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily with all your heart to the Lord and not to men. It says, you've got you to you gotta check your spirit out. Whatever you do, you be sure you're doing it for the glory of God. That, that's the bottom line, and it is not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. You know, there have been a lot of decisions I've had to make. And I had to check out and say, is my motive pure? Some of the things did not violate Scripture. Some of the things were good in themselves. But I had to say, what's my motive? Is my motive, is this... Am I jealous for the glory of God? <laughs> or I, am I interested in promoting myself? Or in the praise of men? Oh, listen. It says here, whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. And not to men. Be sure your motive is pure, for you serve the Lord Christ. But if you know your motive is pure, then, you, then you're not sure what to do. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God... Rule in your heart to which you're called in one body and be thankful. Now, that, I, I, that verse came alive to me when somebody who understood the Greek language said, you know what that word rule there is? It's the Greek word for umpire. He said, now let the peace of God act as an umpire in your heart. And that when you're fixing to do something and it's right, and it's, your motives are right, and it's going to please God, and the Spirit of God's leading you to do it, the Holy Spirit will say, safe. Safe. It's safe. It's safe. But you feel like you're being led by the Spirit to do something, and, and, and you don't see any verse in the Scripture that says it's wrong, and, and, and it may be good in itself, and you get ready to do it, and, but, but the Holy Spirit says, out out speak in a piece of you don't have any peace of God about it you don't have any peace of God let me tell you what you got to do you you can't move you can't act until you have the peace of God the peace of God has got to be saying to you safe oh you know when you have the peace of God but you also know when you don't have it it's when you argue with God about it and I've argued with God about some things, and I'll show you the scars that I have to prove it. Let me say this to you. Well, Lord, I feel led to do this. He says, out. But I said, wait a minute, that it doesn't violate the Scripture. He says, out. I said, well, Lord, it won't hurt anybody. He says, out. I said, well, what is this? I tried to, I tried to persuade God to change his mind. Guess what? That don't work. And any time I went against the peace of God, I was a train wreck. I mean a train wreck. 
Did you hear what I'm saying to you? So the one way you can know God will never lead you to violate Scripture. And then when you're moving in His will and being led by the Spirit, your motive will be pure and you will be doing this and God will say it's okay. You'll have that peace and everybody, nobody else may understand it. People may criticize you for it, but you still do it because you know it's the will of God and you've got the peace of God. You've got the peace of God. You know, I tell young preachers that are, uh, that God tells them, that, me that he's, they've called, God's called them to preach. I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you, you've got to know that you know and you've got to have the peace of God about it. You've got to have the peace of God about it. And, and if you ain't got peace, you can't move ahead. I don't care what it is. You have got to have. Because if you have the peace of God, nobody can, uh, nobody can stop you. Nobody can uh, uh, unpersuade you if you've got God's peace in your heart. But if you're wishy-washy and not sure, then you're, 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 you're sunk before you go. So he'll never tell us to do anything that's contrary to Scripture. We're led by the Spirit. Hey, I'm not an animal. I'm not governed by instinct. You're not an animal. You're, I trust that you're a person that is saved and filled with the Spirit of God, and God's Spirit lives in you, and you are led by the Spirit of God. You say, well, I'm doing the big things. What do you mean? You, if you aren't led by the Spirit of God in the little things, you're not going to only be led by God in the big things. Oh, I'm waiting to that major decision, and I'm like, you better, you better start learning how to hear God right now in the little things. In other words, should I go, that, should I go to, the, to, the, to the clothing store and spend $200? You say, Lord, should I go? He said, no. But, Lord, I got the money. He said, no. Lord, I like it. He said, no. So what do you do? You go do it anyway, and then you can't pay it. That's just the way it is. You say, well, God, why am I have any money? He said, you wouldn't listen to me. Oh, boy, how many times have I done that? Boy, I tell you, I remember the time I saw this car, and it was the lust of the eyes. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my heaven. <laughs> oh, my heavens. I had a, about a 1960 Oldsmobile. It was good. It was sit one of those six cylinders. It was a fine car. It run wonderfully. But I saw this 55 black Chevrolet, and it looked, I said, oh, that's, that's a, my dream car. And, and my daddy said, you don't need to get another car. You've got a good car. What do you want to do that for? And nobody else said, I, but I'm, I'm, guess what? I got it. <laughs> and it was back before they could turn the speedometers, change them, you know. Said it only had 30,000 miles on it. I was coming back from the little church I was pastoring, and the whole motor blew up, just blew up. And I took it to a mechanic. He said, this car had over 200,000 miles on it. Must have been a cab. Well, that cost me, didn't it? <laughs> All I had to do was listen to God. But I wanted that car. You better watch it. I'm telling you, you better listen. God will get your attention one way or another. So we, we, we just got to be sure that, we're, that, that God has given us peace about that. And then there's, there, we, and our motives are pure. Uh, and, and, you, and you want all the glory to go to Jesus. See, you know you're making the right decision when you want the glory to go to Jesus. Now look at this verse. Please look at it. Whatever you do. Now I've looked that word whatever up. Guess what it means? Whatever. Oh, 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Man, Lord, I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus and I'm going to thank you for it. Well, buddy, if you can do it in the name of Jesus and thank God for it, you go right ahead because you certainly are going to bring glory and honor to the Lord. But if you can't do it in the name of Jesus and it's not going to glorify God, don't you do it. You know, people usually came to me for counsel about things that weren't clear in the Scripture. They, 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 they would say, now, I'm not sure about this, Brother Fred. And, and they said, now, I want to do God's will. And the Bible, and here's what I, I really don't know what to do. God's already told them what to do. You know what I mean? But he won't, wants me to, they want me to tell them it's all right to do the other thing. Oh, all the time. And you know what I say? I finally got through trying to be some brilliant counselor. And I said, let me tell you what you do. When you do that, if you can sign Jesus' name to it, and it'll glorify God, then you go right ahead. But if you would be ashamed to sign Jesus' name to it, you better not do it because it would not glorify God. Boy, they didn't want to hear that, but they needed to hear that. There are a lot of things you might could do, but you really couldn't sign Jesus' name to it. You really think about some of those questionable things in your life. Would you be embarrassed to sign the name of Jesus to it? And would it really glorify God? So be sure, and as God leads you, he'll never teach you to violate Scripture. He will always give you peace about it, and your motives will be pure, and he'll give glory and honor to Jesus. Now, I'm going to close with this, and, and, and this will help you. In being led by the Holy Spirit, and you've heard me say this over and over again, I got it from Dr. Roy Hessian, it's greatest, one of the, the greatest truth on hearing God's voice I've ever read anywhere from any man. He, and, and it just was so clear that it is so. He said, the Holy Spirit's a dove and Jesus is a lamb. He said, a dove is very gentle and a lamb is very gentle. When the Holy Spirit is leading you and, and the, the dove and the lamb lead you this way, they will be gentle they will be clear. They will ha have strong conviction. But they will not push you or harass you. In other words, he said, now, the lamb and the dove, they'll, they'll be clear. And they'll lead and speak you, to you with conviction. And they'll lead you clearly and with conviction. And you'll understand they'll be strong in their persuasion. But he said, however... The devil is a roaring what? He said, if, if it's the devil speaking to you, he will harass you, he will push you, he will condemn you, he'll tell you, you better do it now, and if you don't do it now, you're going to miss God, and, and he'll just put all kind of stuff. Listen, if I feel rushed, pushed, harassed, intimidated, the spirit of condemnation, I know it's not the spirit of God. There's no question it's not the spirit of God. Man, I have people come to me and they'll say, uh, man, I got this great deal. I got this great deal. 
but we got to sign the line by tomorrow. I said, you go right ahead. I ain't touching it. You know, I'm not rushing into anything. I need time to hear from God. Buddy, don't you get rushed, harassed, pushed into anything. I'm telling you, don't do that. You just back off. You say, but it's urgent. It is not too urgent to wait on God. It's not too urgent to listen to God. Don't you get pushed, harassed, intimidated, and condemned, and whatever, into anything. Wait on the Lord. And let the dove and the lamb speak gently, lovingly, clearly, and with conviction. And be led by the Holy Spirit. And you'll fulfill the purpose God gave you on this earth. See, God intended for you to be led by the Spirit. And what Adam and Eve lost, we got back when the Holy Spirit came to live in us.